I'm looking up what good faith means. This is Legal Information Institute. Ooh, okay. It's going to define good faith for us once and for all, Rick, once and for all. Good faith is a broad term that's used to encompass honest dealing. Depending on the exact setting, good faith may require an honest belief or purpose, faithful performance of duties, observance of fair dealing standards, or an absence of fraudulent intent. (laughs) Was that helpful? Uh, I can accuse you of the opposite of all of those things, and you could accuse me of it. Let me tell you what it means psychologically. Yeah. Like you said, Rick, good faith is, I'm going to define it once I hear whether or not you're going to agree with me. Mm -hmm. And if you don't agree with me, I'm going to accuse you of not dealing with me. and Not dealing fairly, right. And that's likely to come from both sides. Yes. Hey, this is Diane Dirks. And I'm Rick Voiles. We've been working with co-parents in conflict for more than two decades. We've taught classes, written books, counseled parents, empathized, and agonized a few times to help people make sense of their complicated families. We were talking one day, and it occurred to us that helping the most difficult cases comes down to one simple concept. Is one parent willing to let go of the tug-of-war rope, or is it worth it to hold on and fight? So we invite you to take this journey with us each episode as we tackle the questions, should you hold on or let it go? Welcome to Co-Parent Dilemmas, where we give you practical solutions to those impossible co-parents. Good afternoon, Diane. Good afternoon. Yeah. How how goes it? How goes it? Um, There's... I. I'm just recovering from the holidays. Spit it out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Trying to get my life back on some sort of a pattern of normalcy. Did a little whirlwind trip to Atlanta. Ooh. Where I was a playwright on Saturday night. I did a really fun thing where I was invited to do a 10 minute play based on three things. They gave us the three things on Friday night. And then Saturday night, the play I created overnight was presented by real actors in front Whoa. of the audience. It was so much fun. So nice. My retirement goal is to do more of that. Are there stuff. are there Oscars coming or no. Emmys or it no, wasn't okay. a competition. It was just oh, a presentation. But just it was really for fun. fun. Cool. And then Monday night I met with some of our non-impossibles in Lawrenceville, Georgia. So we had six or seven people show up for that. And it was really a great time. And um did some CNFC work on Tuesday and Wednesday, and then came home last night. So, wow, back in the saddle again. You're very productive when you're in Atlanta. I am. Well, it's on purpose. You know, when I know I'm going to be there, I plan things, pile <laughs> it all up. Yeah, on it. Pile yeah. it up. <laughs> then I come home, I'm exhausted. Oh, gee. How are you? How's your tired? Dad? Tired. Well, my dad's in rehab. So, um, it's been a stressful December, and so finally got him in rehab, and it's just, finally, I don't have to spend all my energy and focus on taking care of him. Yeah. Um, I just have to make sure he has what he needs over there. So you're breathing and probably now needing to take care of you. I Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, in continuation... Of our parenting plan disaster series is yes. what I've 
started calling it. <laughs> we are going to um, talk about a parenting plan problem. Mm-hmm. And then I want to follow up with what I've created. I've called it the five parenting plan commandments. I was going to write 10, you know, to make it biblical, but 10 was too detailed. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, right. So we'll follow up with talking about my five commandments. So we got an email from Camille who uh, is in a same sex relationship. So when we read the parenting plan, I think you're going to use initials because it doesn't say a mom and dad as in a heterosexual relationship. And um, they have a very interesting schedule around weekends and if you're going to say first, third, and fifth weekends, you can't just leave it there. No, <laughs> not without a disaster. <laughs> For obvious reasons. Yes. But I don't know where she resides, but whatever attorney wrote this or mediator wrote this was in a hurry, or they've never done a divorce case before. <laughs> uh-huh. yes. so this is a novice mistake. <laughs> Okay. All right. That's that's gentle. Yes. So whoever wrote this paragraph needs a big old giant slap on the hand. (laughs) So I'm going to let you read it, Rick. All right. All right. Read it it with authority as if it really has some. So (laughs) that it's seriously weighted. Yes. Okay. Uh, And we're using initials in the plan. They used, they did use their names. Yes. So. RJ will have first and third weekends each month from 6 p.m. on Friday to 6 p.m. on Sundays. Parties will alternate fifth weekends unless the weekend falls on a holiday, which takes precedence over the regular schedule. If a party is unable to exercise visitation on their fifth weekend, parties will have a good faith discussion about when to resume the alternation or schedule a makeup visit. Okay. <laughs> just puke all over it. <laughs> well, there are, there's a lot of problems with this. <laughs> and, and here, you know, you read it and you think, oh, that, yeah, that works. There's nothing wrong. Unless you have some experience with high conflict parents that will find the loopholes. We see them because we've had that experience over and over again, but the average person doesn't. So let's start with the problem of first, third, and fifth weekends to begin with. All right. The obvious problem is, you know, a, a first weekend, if it if the month, the first of the month is on a Saturday. Yes. Is that the first weekend of the <laughs> current month? Yes. Or is that the last weekend of the prior month because the last day of the month was on a Friday? Uh, or a Sunday, even let's say the first is on a Sunday. Does that constitute the first weekend of the current month or the last weekend of the prior month? Exactly. That's so that's the to problem. Say that right? You know, yes. They, they, they should have said RJ will have first and third weekends with first weekend being defined as. Yes. However you want to define it. Say, the first it Saturday of the include, month. Or, yes. It must include a Friday. Yes. It must include a Saturday. And that and then you can count from there first, second, third, fourth, mm-hmm. fifth weekends mm-hmm. from there. So that's the first problem. 
Um, and to me, that's such an elementary problem that why wouldn't this have been? That's what I mean. It's such a beginner. It, it, well, <laughs> I, most people think that there's only four weeks in a month and therefore yeah. only four weekends. And so we'll alternate. It'll work. It and then, doesn't. As if that wasn't confusing enough. Let's just add a little more confusion. All right. So parties will alternate fifth weekends. Uh-huh. Unless the weekend falls on a holiday, which takes precedence over the regular schedule. Okay, let's just say, (laughs) I'm trying to think what holiday, oh, let's say the fifth weekend was Easter Sunday. Third weekend, RJ has, fourth weekend, Camille has, but Camille gets Easter Sunday in even years, which is this year. So she has also the fifth weekend. And then the next fifth weekend that happens, let's say July, does Camille get it again because RJ got it in January? Right. Yeah, yeah. Or does does the alternation start with the holiday? Or you know what I'm saying? Uh huh. How do you now count I, alternating? Yes. Right. But it seemingly is going to fix this problem in the third sentence, which is. If they can't, if a party is unable to exercise visitation in his or her fifth weekend, parties will have a good faith discussion about when to resume the alternation or have makeup. You could apply that sentence to the problem I just described if you wanted to in the spirit of the order, right? Mm -hmm. And you could say, well, if they can't decide when to resume alternation, they should have a good faith discussion. Uh Uh-huh. What's wrong with that, Rick? Oh, gee. A good faith discussion is often interpreted by the person who's not getting their way <laughs> as a not a good faith discussion. In other words, good faith means we talk about it until I convince you. You know what I'm going to do right now? Hmm. This is, I'm doing this for the purpose of any attorney or judge who's listening to this. Because, you know, they're very, they're very, um, cerebral sometimes. So I'm looking up what good faith means. Ooh. So let's interpret it. <laughs> However, Webster, I don't know if this is Webster. Oh, here's one. Oh, it's this is Legal Information Institute. Ooh, okay. It's going to define good faith for us once and for all, Rick. Once all and right. for all. Good faith is a broad term that's used to encompass honest dealing. Depending on the exact setting, good faith may require an honest belief or purpose, faithful performance of duties, observance of fair dealing standards, or an absence of fraudulent intent. (laughs) Was that helpful? Uh, I can accuse you of doing all of those things, (laughs) the opposite of all of those things, and you could accuse me of it. So, good faith discussion around this issue for Camille and RJ is um, it encompasses honest dealing requires an honest belief or purpose in the faithful performance of duties with fair uh, dealing standards and the absence of fraudulent intent. That's not helpful. No, it's so attorneys and judges. I know what you think it means legally, but let me tell you what it means psychologically yeah like you said rick good faith is i'm going to define it 
once I hear whether or not you're going to agree with me. Mm-hmm. And if you don't agree with me, I'm going to accuse you of not dealing with me and not dealing fairly. Right. And that's likely to come from both sides. Yes. Because one parent might say, Hey, this makes reasonable sense that since you had the fifth weekend that I also happened to fall on a holiday that I would have the next fifth Sunday. I mean, fifth weekend. Mm-hmm. Right. And what, and let's say RJ says that to Camille, what might Camille say in response to that? No, that was a holiday. I got that because it's the holiday. It wasn't an alternating that mm-hmm. you just missed yours. And if I were going to interpret this paragraph for Camille, literally, I would agree with Camille <clears throat> that literally it, it says the holiday trumps, right? The holiday yep. takes precedence, precedence over the regular schedule, which means it's as if that regular schedule thing wasn't happening at all. Right. So I would tend to interpret it that you would have to wait for the, not the next fifth, but the fifth after that. Right. These only happen every three months. I had this happen in a PC case many years ago, this argument about they, because they were alternating Mm -hmm. the fifth and number one, why are they alternating the fifth? Because some weird sense of fairness. Fairness, yes. As if if I don't get that fifth weekend, my kids are going to not love me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get one you know more day I'm than saying? I got. Yeah. Yes. And so, you know, let's put it in perspective. It's not happening every month. It's not happening every week. It's happening probably every three months, three to four months. You will encounter, depending on how you define fifth weekend, you will encounter a fifth weekend. Which is why it's so much simpler to just say every other weekend, beginning this date. Because if you have an every other weekend schedule and a holiday falls on your weekend that you get to have, you typically end up with three weekends in a row. Typically. Yes, yes. You d- it doesn't then change this, the alternation because that would be really a pain. Because most people, and you said you just did this with a client recently, you had her sit down and write out a two-year calendar. This is this is my time. I know what my time is. I don't have to talk to him or her about my time. And that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. You highlight in your calendar, this is my time. And then I'm not having to consult the parenting plan all the time. So people do that. They plan ahead. And if you're constantly changing the alternation because of a monkey wrench that gets thrown in by a holiday, for instance, that just doesn't make any practical sense. Right. Right. So um, the good faith discussion should not even be put in there. No. Because you're asking them to fight. If you can't figure this out, we want you to go fight it out. Yes. (laughs) Until someone loses. Yes. Get upset in front of your children, Mm. cause them to feel guilty that they even exist, and then call your attorney and pay him or her $400 to tell you what to say. Mm -hmm. That. Is criminal, Rick. <laughs> that That's is... criminal. Whoever oh. did this should be arrested right there now. You there you go. Yes. Because <laughs> they just put a child at risk. Okay. So let's talk about how to better construct this paragraph. Yeah. Like I said, I would prefer it to say, RJ has every other weekend from Friday at 6 p.m. to Sunday at 6 p.m. beginning with this date, such and such a weekend. And then that's pretty cut and dry forever. And it doesn't matter whether it was a holiday and I would leave out the holiday thing completely. 
And then you don't have a fifth weekend to deal with. But if you're totally connected to that, that first, third, and fifth weekend, why not just have RJ have them all? Every fifth, right? First, third, and fifth weekend. Mm-hmm. Why not? And yeah, she might get two weekends in a row. But it also seems to me that she's getting the less amount of time with these children. I don't know how many kids there are. How so? Only weekend visitation. The other parent is getting, you know, yeah, weekday visitation. The longer, visitation. Yep. yeah. So why not? Why not give her that extra, you know, how is that harmful? Because with kids, it's really not about fairness. And then, then you eliminate completely this garbage about a discussion about makeup visits or, yeah, can you imagine I mean, even I, you and I as mediators would probably have a hard time coming up with something that would satisfy both parties. Oh, gosh. Based on this paragraph. Right. How do you figure it? And and at some point you have to ask yourself, why is that even important? Mm-hmm. How much time and money are we going to spend on something that really has no relevance to the children in the long run? Not in the long run. Yeah. That's you're only focusing on your own fairness or unfairness or the other person think you thinking that the other person's getting some kind of an advantage, but yes. again, neither one of those are helpful to the children. So Camille, you know, and she really didn't ask a question. She just said that this is frustrating, but if mm-hmm. I were going to answer a question about how do you interpret this? First of all, I would say it's uninterpretable the way it's written. <laughs> it makes no sense in English. <laughs> But to be a non-impossible and to do what might be the best thing for your kids, which is to not fight about it, I would want to say, why not just do what RJ wants to do on these? If you end up having a fifth weekend that is also your holiday, then maybe you just say, hey, why don't don't you have the next one? Yep. What harm is there in letting go? This is one of those, do I hold on? Do I let it go? Let it, yep. Let it go. To me, this is a, a, a no brainer. Think of all the money you'll save <laughs> by letting it go. Uh huh. Unless you tell me that RJ is a horrible parent and the kids are screaming and yelling every time they have to go. And that's a whole other issue that has nothing to do with fifth weekends, right? No, that's another issue that needs to be dealt with in another way, not trying to restrict by interpreting this paragraph however you think is the right way to interpret it. So that's my answer. What do you think, Rick? Oh, I like that. I like that answer. Uh, If it means making life easier for the kids and all you had to do was give one weekend to the other parent, it's well worth it in the long run. Absolutely. Hey, listeners, a new year means a new opportunity to make choices in your child's best interest. However, when a co-parent is abusing alcohol and your kid's safety is at risk, you may feel like you're at a fork in the road, forced to either limit parenting time or allow custodial time to continue, despite the inherent risk. Neither option is desirable, making it, well, a dilemma. Fortunately, there's Soberlink. Soberlink is a high-tech breathalyzer system that sends you instant results of a co-parent's alcohol levels. When your co-parent tests, their identity is automatically confirmed with facial recognition and tamper sensors ensure no cheating has occurred. You then get instant proof that your kids are safe in their care. So help your family thrive in the new year. 
Visit www.soberlink.com slash dilemmas to learn more and get $50 off your device. So this is a good segue then to talk about my five commandments. Should I take on a Charlton Heston voice? (laughs) Thou shalt make it simple for the children and clear for the adults. That's commandment number one. That's commandment number one. Keep thou it simple. Shalt, yes. Thou shalt make it simple for the children and clear for the adults. So let's talk about what we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Simple for the children definitely would be every other weekend. Every, yep. Or just first, third, and fifth. And the first weekend needs to include a Friday. Yep. That's pretty simple. You want your six-year-old to be able to put a calendar on his or her closet or the refrigerator and it and able to do that on her own without asking an adult. It except that, that it, simple. Except it would be an iPad these days or yes, tablet right, some way. Right. Yeah. right. <laughs> yes. And that's where it needs to be simple for the adults. <laughs> it's an iPad because <laughs> your six-year-old knows way more about an iPad than you do. Exactly. So that's commandment number one. Okay. Commandment number two, thou shalt leave no loopholes for the manipulator. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite. What What are the loopholes in Camille's paragraph? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> fifth weekend described this way. The word holiday creates a, 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 anything that can create an argument is considered a loophole. Anything that is left open to interpretation um, by either party is a a loophole. So there's so much in here that makes it, when, when does the alternating start? What do you do um, with that fifth weekend? If it's, I mean, all the things we've discussed. Right. So in the last two episodes, remember I was talking about trying to balance not enough information and Mm -hmm. too much detail. Yes. This paragraph has it all. (laughs) there's not enough information in the first sentence Uh and there's too many words in the second sentence that aren't well explained. (laughs) Yes. Uh So if you have the first sentence, just simply say first, third and fifth weekends with the first weekend, always having to include a Friday Mm -hmm. period. That's simple. It's really, there's not a question about what it's saying. Right. Mm-mm. The children can understand it. But the second sentence, uh, parties will alternate fifth weekends unless the weekend falls on a holiday, which takes precedence over the regular schedule. Now that seems like it's adding detail, Mm-mm. but it's actually adding more questions. Yeah. Well, like you said, what is a holiday? And, <laughs> and yes. if it takes precedence, what does, what does it, that do for the, how does it affect the alternation? alternation. Yes. And then they add more detail that can, confounds it even more by saying, and if you can't figure out what sentence two means, sentence three is requiring you to have a good faith discussion so you can about it. Right. (laughs) Right. You know, this gets even more complicated if the holiday that is interfering is alternating between odd and even years with the parents. (laughs) Exactly. Can you imagine? It's just so, and yeah, it's just too much. So Avoiding loopholes is about making it very clear and concise, but then stopping, not trying to elaborate any more on it, because the more elaboration, the more you have to define terms. Yes. 
right? Which means further elaboration. And then lacking that definition creates a new loophole. Yep. Yep. Okay. Commandment number three, thou shalt define abstract terms. (laughs) Uh, What's the abstract terms in this? Well, I think good faith discussion is probably nothing but abstract. What are some other abstract terms we often see? Reasonable. I see a lot of reasonable, um, good faith effort. Respect is probably the one I see the most. Yep. Or, and I know at least where we come from, the standard parenting plan has all these paragraphs about you will not speak negatively about the other parent. It's a whole page. And people sign it. And I don't know that there's any teeth to it because I don't uh, know how you prove it. There's we talked about nothing. that last time. You no. Know, if you, if you have to use the kids to prove something. It's probably not a good paragraph. But yeah, the, how do you determine what's a negative speaking? Because to me, you can say something very kind and roll your eyes and makes <laughs> it a sarcastic negative comment. Right. Right. Like, so like, how do you really define negativity? Like, you know? uh, like bless her heart. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, leave those out, you know, instead of saying a good faith discussion, there should have just been a remedy inserted in here. The parties can't figure it out. Then this is what it will uh, be. Yes. Yeah, some kind of a process to, to, to it's yeah. clearly defined how to settle it. Yep. And I was told before, and I think I may have mentioned this on an episode before, but I was told by a judge that here in Georgia, the statute is written in such a way that actually says reasonable to give the judge latitude. Yeah. So, but when I inquired more, he said, you can still say reasonable, but then you can go on to define what reasonable means to these two parties. Yeah. Behaviorally defined. Yeah. And if that's done, then a judge can decide whether or not the parties defined it well. And if so, go with it because that's how the parties defined it, especially if you're doing mediation or settlement conference, you know, maybe the parties can actually come to an agreement about what a reasonable discussion looks like Mm -hmm. means, but that was helpful to be told that, that, you know, oftentimes a judge wants it to say these abstract things because it gives the judge latitude. So that's uh, number three. Thou shalt not, or thou shalt define abstract terms. Okay. Commandment number four, thou shalt respect the plan because you either agreed to it or a judge ordered it. Yeah. You would we answered this last episode when Michael talked about the birthday party. Yeah. As much as he felt like he could plan the birthday party on either side of the child's birthday. Yes. It that's didn't. not what the plan said, that's and not that's what not says. what he agreed to in order right. to get the plan. And as much as it it just burns his rear <laughs> to yes. have to do it the way the plan says, you have to respect the fact that you agreed to something for a reason, even if it was because you just wanted to get out of there mm-hmm. or because you didn't want to give something else up or whatever. This is what you got. Or we have to, as professionals, say a judge heard all the evidence and based on the evidence made this decision, whether you like it or not. Right. And maybe you don't like the judge and maybe the judge got it wrong, but it doesn't matter. If the plan says it, and especially if you agreed to it, 
you can't backtrack later because you have buyer's remorse. You just Mm-mm. have to say, nope. I got to suck it up because this is what the plan says. You don't get to then make your own decisions outside of it just because you think what was decided or what was ordered was wrong. Yeah. Or you don't like it. Yeah. And, you know, maybe you go back to court someday and you fix, fix that it. part of the plan or maybe not. Um, number four. Number five, thou shalt be open to flexibility only if it can be executed without conflict. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say that again. Thou shalt be open to flexibility only if it can be executed without conflict. And then in parentheses, at which point you refer back to number four. (laughs) Yes. Right. Respect that a final decision. Yep. Yeah. So. I love when people, I love when Camille and RJ comes to that fifth weekend and Camille says, you know, you don't have that much time with the kids. I'm just going to give it to you, even though we could argue about it. Mm -hmm. Awesome. That tells me we got kids who are playing soccer and studying math and not mediating their parents' conflict. Yes. Having friendship disasters and. Yeah. They're being kids. Exactly. But we all know sometimes, and it depends on the issue, obviously, if it's an issue that you don't feel like you can give in on, and there are plenty of those as well, then, you know, you do what you can do, but you decide we can't be flexible on that. We're just going to stick with what the parenting plan says. And my recommendation is you don't say, because you're an idiot, we're going to just stick with this plan, right? Right. You say, you and I don't typically do flexibility well, so I'm more comfortable staying with the plan. Yes. That's the kind way of saying, I just, I don't want the drama. I'm not going to fight with you. You know, mm-hmm. and maybe right out of the gate, after you have a new plan, you try some flexibility. I know when we do PC in our organization, we always tell people stick with the plan for 90 days, just to give yourself a break from mm-hmm. communication, right? See how that goes. And then if you do really well after the first 90 days, then test some flexibility. If it gets you in a big old fight, then maybe you pull back and say, eh, that wasn't even worth it. I don't think I want to try that. But it always amazes me that people want to be flexible, like the first week after they receive their plan. (laughs) Like, oh my gosh. Yes. Why? Why are you testing the waters already? You don't even know how you're going to do with the plan the way it's written. Right. So just tell yourself, I'm just going to stick with the plan for the first 90 days because we just went through a three-year court battle and I'm exhausted. Yeah, I don't want to have to talk about anything. And this is what the judge ordered. I'm just going to go with it. That is completely within your rights and probably a good idea. Right. It doesn't mean you're a bad co-parent because you don't want to be flexible. It just means you're tired. Yes. We had a whole episode on it doesn't mean that it's unfortunate that we make it a distinction between flexible and inflexible. That's an inflexibility is, is bad. No, we're looking for structured consistency here to create peace. I I just wrote this week on our Facebook page. I do like a quote of the day every once in a while. My quote today was use co-parent communication to manage conflict. So your kids can stay out of the middle. Don't use co-parent communication to manage your feelings about the conflict. Oh, what? What is that? Two different things. You know, one is to manage conflict. The other is remember a 
few episodes back where I forget her name, but we did her. She couldn't help herself. I have to get it out oh, tonight. Yes. To, right. That was not managing the conflict. That was managing her feelings. That's right. Yeah. Manage your feelings somehow other. So the reason I say that is people right out of the gate with a brand new parenting plan probably have a lot of feelings about it. <laughs> right. Held over from the terrible court case. Right. And they're more likely, they're more prone to wanting to manage their feelings about it more than managing the conflict. Yeah. You so refer to it as a battery. Yeah. So I'm all for flexibility. Good work if you can get it. But if you can't, it's really okay to stick with the plan, but don't be rude and mean about it. Because then you're going to get accused of gatekeeping for the purpose of managing the relationship between the other parent and your child. Yeah. If you are mean about it. No, not only no, but H-E double toothpicks, no. <laughs> That's not the way to handle that. The way uh, to handle it is based on our history, or you could say, we just got out of a two-year court case that cost me $100,000. This plan is gold to me. I'm sticking with it. I yep. mean, that would be one way to to verbalize it. Another one is based on our history. We don't seem to do flexibility do well. well. It seems to create conflict. So I'm more comfortable sticking with the plan. And they might send you an email that tells you you're the worst person in the world, but who cares? Mm, who cares what they because think? Because the kids and the kids will do better if you stay out of conflict, period. And lower the drama. Yep. So I'm going to go back over these five things as we wind this down. Thou shalt make it simple for the children and clear for the adults. That's referring to language. Thou shalt leave no loopholes for the manipulator. Thou shalt define abstract terms. Thou shalt respect the plan because you either agreed to it or a judge ordered it. And thou shalt be open to flexibility only if it can be executed without conflict. Is there anything that you want to add, Rick? No, there's nothing I want to add to that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I am Charlton Heston. <laughs> dun, dun, For our younger dun. listeners, they don't even know who I'm talking about. No, they don't. <laughs> We're getting old, Rick. Who is Charlton Heston, by the way? Uh, but uh, but the movie was in color, so we're not that old. <laughs> oh, I thought it was black and white, but they colorized it. No, oh, well, it oh really no. Was it was... <laughs> oh, no. It was we are what? old. Was it 1960s? Oh, I, I, I don't remember like the date. Yep. Probably. Yeah, anyway. where Charlton Heston played God. No, played no, he Moses. Played, he played Moses. And met God, yeah, with the yes. Ten God, the Ten Commandments. The, the, the movie's called The Ten, Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments, yep. So I don't play God, but... Or Charlton Heston. <laughs> <laughs> but I did write these five commandments. Yes. And if there's others our listeners can think of, I'd be glad to add to them because I'm always open to suggestions. Sure. Um, but these are five general that I think encompass most problematic paragraphs. Good start. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, good luck to RJ and Camille. And thank you for sending this to us. And we're going to do this maybe not every week, but no. periodically. So if you have problematic parenting plan language, shoot it off to us and we'll discuss it. I love it. Yep. All right. Okay. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. Hey, listeners. Many of you have inquired about online co-parent coaching. Diane and I don't have the time ourselves to provide that service, but the organization we both work for does. 
The Center for Navigating Family Change will be launching its online coaching program under our training and direction this fall. We think our CNFC coaches are going to be swamped with requests, so we want to give our Co-Parent Dilemma listeners first dibs. Just go to the link in our show notes to complete the pre-registration form that will push you to the front of the line. There's no obligation, and you'll get information about how it will work so that you can decide. It's time to take advantage of having your own personal co-parent coach to help you respond to your difficult co-parent. The information contained in this podcast is generic. It must not be misconstrued as constituting legal or psychological advice. Decisions relevant to any specific individual, family system, or case require the direct evaluation of skilled, child-centered professionals.